Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, we have not gotten a chance to talk much this week, and you have been cruising through Kaladesh. Have you been doing it? I don't know. I've been mostly loving Ether Super. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I went into the format last week, I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna soft avoid blue," and then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, Ether Super is still the nuts." It's just like ties every deck together. So I've been been really liking that card. But I, I've been open to all colors and most color combinations, but it has been a blast of a format for the the couple of days that I've drafted it. Yeah, you have had some juicy, juicy, juicy deck picks that you've been posting to Twitter in our Discord messages. It has been insane. Yeah, Ben gets mad at me. I, I'll send him like sick decks. I was like, oh, I got a deck with eight Ether Swoopers this week for folks who don't follow me on Twitter. And I sent that pick to, to Ben and I was like, is this the, the blue deck you were imagining? Imagining. And he's like, stop distracting me while I'm at school. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's sort of our a little peek into our dynamic. Uh, how about you? You got to draft this weekend, right? Yeah, I did a bunch of drafts. I'm now seven drafts deep, I think. And format is as sweet as I remembered. I agree. I also love Ether Swooper. All I want to do right now is draft dirtily blue artifact shenanigan decks. And they're not necessarily the best, but I've been having a blast. And then, you know, mixing in some some no nonsense decks and trophying. So we have to start with a little disclaimer here. We didn't know that best of three would be offered for a week. So like, you know, I reviewed the set with Alex and we were like, all right, we're going to look at all the cards under the lens of best of one. And then we did our crash course last week. We looked at all the cards under the lens of best of one. And then Wizards was like, oh, by the way, we're going to throw best of three cues for a week, which is what we've been drafting, or at least that's what I've been drafting to try and take advantage of that because it's only up for a week. And then we'll have the best of one drafts for, I think, like two or three weeks after that. Yeah, I have been jamming best of three and I will say sideboarding has been great yeah yeah you've had uh, you've had some really interesting sideboard decisions it sounds like yeah it's just been refreshing i think there's a lot of push and pull in terms of whether your deck's aggressive or controlling and what the matchup is like the matchups are pretty polarizing and getting two sideboard cards in that are appropriate for the matchup feels really fun cited in some of the uh energy mill guy the one drop that can tap and mill three cards in one games two and three in a control mirror because i could side that card in that's awesome love to hear that all right well it's raining outside ben i've got a nice fresh cup of coffee i'm feeling very cozy and i'm excited to talk to you about kaladesh remastered and all the stuff we've discovered in our like you know four days of drafting so far but before we get into that got to talk about a couple housekeeping things first things first is the patreon page patreon.com slash lords of limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose the show of course always going to be free but there are some nice tiered rewards there for you to depending on what you feel like is worth giving back from just plain access to our amazing discord, which is like 24 seven limited tech support, all the way up to getting free monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben. Um, so whatever works for you, if you feel like the show is giving you some value, if you want to dive into that discord and have that community available to you, I think the, the Patreon is a great place for any and all that good stuff. And of course, we want to welcome each and every one of our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week, we are welcoming William, Dante, Gary, Adam, Zach, Cody, Jacob, Daniel, Mashi, David, TJ, Thomas, and Joris. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Discord has always been a blast. I have been, uh, you know, on Wednesdays now, we're on a hybrid learning schedule. So we have like teacher work days on Wednesdays. It gives me a little more time when I need a mental break from doing work to, to touch in on the Discord and, and see what's up in the MTG world. Wow, shirking your teacher responsibilities. <laughs> Shh, don't tell. <laughs> this show is now brought to you in part by Channel Fireball as well, channelfireball.com for everything magic related that you need. Um, as part of our sponsorship with channelfireball.com, they generously gave us an MTG Ultimate Gift Box, which we did a giveaway for. You have some information on that, Ethan? Yeah, we did a drawing from our full Patreon list, and we are excited to announce the winner is Zav. So we'll be sending uh, Zav an email congratulating them on winning the MTG ultimate gift box giveaway and then ship uh, their contact info over to channel fireball so they can get their sweet sweet swag and if you entered in that giveaway and didn't get the mtg gift box which is most of you and you still <laughs> want an ultimate magic gift box <laughs> that's smooth yeah it's really smooth shaming all but one of our listeners <laughs> You can head on over to channelfireball.com, $49.99 for $100 worth of value in this Ultimate Magic gift box. There's also different tiers if you want to add more booster packs, more promos. 
Um, but great Christmas gift as well with the holiday season approaching. And if you've got somebody in your life that doesn't play magic, they've also got a new magic player gift box. If you've got commander peeps that you hang out with, they've got a commander player gift box. You can check any and all of that out as well as singles, boosters, anything you want. Channelfireball.com. Remember to use code LOL when you check out over there. That's awesome. I didn't know about that new player gift box. I have a little friend group and we've been playing like a sort of Dungeons and Dragons style game. And I was like, all right, once this like campaign is over, I'm going to teach you guys how to play magic. and But I have no idea how to do that from scratch. So maybe this new player gift box will be a good pickup for me. Yeah, that or jumpstart. I was thinking you were maybe going to get Jen and Jen hooked. <laughs> yeah, I would be shocked if I could ever get my wife to play magic. That would be that would be a, a very, very surprising day. All right. So we're going to go through our, our normal sort of big picture questions. Uh, look at sort of some specific cards that we've had a chance to get our hands on. Look at re-ranking the top commons and then dive into a round table. That's how we're going to going to progress through the show. So first things first, Ben, Prince or Pauper? Is this a format dictated by rares or a format dictated by commons? I'm going to say Pauper, but there have been some obnoxious mythic rares that have come down. You know, the boat is, is running around the Sky Console's flagship or whatever it's called, the 6-5 vehicle that when ETBs deals three damage to a creature or planeswalker, and then you crew it for three whenever it attacks, it also shoots something down. Yeah, that's been rough to play against. I mean, there are some some gear hulks running around, but by and large, the commons are very strong. And I think there's a lot of removal to combat those other cards. Yeah, I think so. And one of my favorite things, and I'll probably mention this a few times throughout the episode, one of my favorite things about this set is how many game plans there are at common, right? Like like inherent in blue is the the ether super power out a gear seeker serpent life. You know, we talked about night market lookout as a sort of slither blade style card. You pick up a handful of those, get some vehicles, and then you can drain your opponent out by crewing those vehicles. There's a lot of cool things that you can get to do just at common that feel like win conditions and i don't feel like you usually get that outside of like whatever whatever the deck is that you know red black party is the the deck that's best at common or usually it's like a red white aggro deck and that exists here but i think that a lot of the color pairs have engines or ways to win games strictly with their commons yeah i'd include uncommons there as well if you're talking engines for sure yeah oh yeah yeah and we're going to talk a lot about those uh coming up how about uh, number of lands? I have been running 17 pretty happily. I've not dipped down to 16 yet, and I have gone up to 18 sources, you know, if I've got multiple attunes or renegade maps. So attune with either the green sorcery lets you find a basic land. You get two energy, and renegade map has been outstanding. It's the one mana artifact, ETB's tapped, and then you can tap sacrifice it to search up a basic land and put it into your hand. Yeah, so I think important to talk about both of those cards. So when you say you've been running 17 lands, when you're including those cards, how has that been affecting your mana base either straight up replacing them one to one i think if i just have two i think i'm comfortable running two of those in 15 lands but once i hit three of those combination of cards then all of a sudden i think i'm running 15 lands plus the three and i'm up to like 18 or 17 and a half sources or however you want to think of it with the fetches yeah that's exactly how i've been doing it too and what about uh, we're going to talk about prophetic prism a little bit down the road as well that's the two mana artifact etbs you draw a card and then it filters your mana because that's a cheap cantrip is that affecting you know if let's say you've a couple of those does that make you feel like you might be able to shave a land i have not been trying to do that no okay great good to know i have not really played with prism that much but i've played with attune and map quite a bit and i'm doing the same thing like the first two copies of those just straight up one-to-one replace lands for me i am excited for when you hit your prophetic prism stage of the format (laughs) i mean i did just draft a deck that had three of them so i think i think we may be approaching that early next week (laughs) (laughs) all right next up we've got speed of the format and this is one that doesn't feel like the answer has changed very much in the past few sets. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with exactly what we've got here, which is, you know, we've only played best of three, but it's not been crazy fast. I think them not including Renegade Freighter in the format was an excellent decision. Yeah, Uh, it makes the format much healthier as a whole, but you still can't afford to just not affect the board early. And I think that's probably just true for limited in general these days. Yeah, I mean, you just need two drops. You, You can't go... I mean, maybe some engine-y artifact-y decks can't afford to go like map on one, prism on two, but it does feel like, you know, you've got to get something on the board to tussle because there's a lot of snowball-y mechanics. I think that's one of the big reasons that I feel like you got to get on the board on turn two because of, you know, all, you know the ether creatures that we talked about, specifically Swooper and Chaser, being able to get in that attack, make the servo, get that value, and God forbid you have some way to continue to do that. You know, the Thriving Rhino can snowball pretty quickly. There's a lot of, of things that can progress turn after turn and if you can't disrupt it early that can get out of hand for you agreed all right we had a question about this going into the format and i still 
don't feel like I have a strong answer, but what, what about Disenchant main deck? You know, it's an artifact set. So are you playing your uh, appetite for the unnatural or whatever? I have been maining one appetite for the natural or unnatural or, or whatever it is. Yes, I've been playing one of that card pretty happily, especially in decks that maybe are light on other types of removal. But I, I have never not found a reasonable target for it. And so by reasonable target, you're not saying servos, right? You mean like actual factual cards? Like actual factual cards. Yeah, there's vehicles running around. I, th- I just think I think it's fine putting one in your main deck. I had, I had an opponent ice over my Renegade map yesterday. <laughs> you know, it comes into play tapped. And so they were like, gotcha, stone rain. So it, uh, you can find some targets there, I guess. Um, how, about, <laughs> how about fragmentize? Have you, have you played that yet? I have not, but I would want access to it in the sideboard, I think. Certainly mm-hmm. not a high pick. Yeah. Access to it on the sideboard until rip sideboards on Thursday. All right. Well, what's this next point here you want to talk about? Yeah, I have found a lack of good or enough two drops in general in the drafts that I've done so far. Ether Chaser and Ether Swooper, the blue and the red energy makers that produce servos when you attack, have felt great to me. Just absolutely outstanding. But I've not been super thrilled with any of the other blue and red two drops. The white ones are all kind of interchangeable to me with Mm -hmm. none of them really standing out and then like in green you have druid which is good and seed sculptor which is good i haven't been able to get into green much yet in the format feels pretty contested to me in the best of three cues i mean then black just doesn't really have any good ones i have not loved ether poisoner much yeah i mean that is black's only two drop at common yeah i i think that's fair. I mean, I definitely agree that Swooper and Chaser are the best two drops at common. Um, but like, you know, I haven't found because white has four two drops at common. I, you know, they are interchangeable, but I feel like you can get your hands on them. Th- there is a, a weird thing about this format. It feels like where they do get outclassed or like two drops can get outclassed pretty quickly. And that has felt bad. And there's not really a way to mitigate that. There's not a lot of cards that I feel like I'm like, oh, this is good on turn two and good on turn 10. We don't get a lot of those here. Right. I agree. And that I think is also what's felt bad to me, like where Ether Swooper and Ether Chaser are the only ones I feel like that don't run into that getting brick walled rapidly problem. I think Druid falls in that same camp, right? Because it can tap for mana. But mm-hmm. other than that, unless you have aviary mechanic with permanence that you want to rebuy, that's the one in a white 2-2 that gives you the option of returning a permanent you control to your hand. Outside of that, there's not a lot of ways to get repeated value from your two drops or anything no yeah they really just sort of they do their thing and and it's it stinks because like we just said you just need to include as many of them as you can in your deck because i think you need to get on board early and often with all of your decks Mm -hmm. all right so some big picture early format impressions as as i've already professed my love for ether super this will come as no surprise but blue is way better than I initially thought. And I think that's largely off the back of Swooper. Um, Blue can play a tempo game really well, and Swooper is key. Swooper also really combos with a lot of the uncommon engine cards we're going to talk about. So I've had the pleasure of doing that where you can, you know, the servo comes into play and you get to make more energy off of something. So then you use that energy the next turn. So And because Swooper is evasive, it's very easy for it to go unblocked a lot of the time, depending on what your matchups are. Yeah, I agree. I have also been very impressed by Blue. And I think, you know, we were saying blue didn't look very deep, but part of it is Ether Swooper and Gearseeker Serpent are also just awesome, right? So it doesn't necessarily matter that it's not deep because those two cards, if you get them, are so, so, so good if you can get them in multiples. And it plays really well with all of the artifacts. It just does a lot of small things very well. Right. And this may change throughout the week. I, I was getting a lot of flack on stream on Thursday and Friday because people were like, oh, I see. You know, you tell everyone the blue <laughs> is bad and then you, you know, pick up eight ether supers in a draft. And, you know, obviously we're not trying to game the system like that. But I do wonder if, you know, we're coming in saying that blue looks unexciting. Alex and I were saying blue looked bad in our set review. If that does warp people's impression, and then people will start to catch up as they see like, oh, Swooper is pretty gross. And so I, I wonder if you're feeling like blue is contested at the table, you're going to get a much weaker draft because blue is shallow, right? The, the reason the blue decks we're having success with so far are good is because you just like get to snap up all the Swoopers and Serpents because no one else wants them. Yeah, I think, yeah, blue is good when it's open I, I agree that it might be tougher when it gets contested but there are also a lot of good uncommons as well mm-hmm. and it doesn't necessarily have to play a tempo game i also think blue is one of the better colors at brick walling the game and then winning with some of the engines i agree with that but I, I do think it's best plan just because off the back of getting multiple swoopers and multiple serpents i think it's best plan is that sure at common yes agreed um what has your impression been of vehicles so far i have not loved most of them outside of untethered express that card is still nuts that's the four mana 
crew one four four that whenever it attacks you put a plus one plus one counter on it and it has trample that one's nuts but outside of that they've been fine like you can play them but they're again like fairly easy to deal with and kind of tempo negative sometimes like you can really get blown out by bounce spells or removal or things like that yeah i I think sky skiff is your best option at common and not a lot of the uncommons are are that exciting you know i I really liked the the oval chase i think it's the dragster the six one trample haste crew one i i remember liking that quite a bit and i still think that's good in aggressive decks but outside of that and you know they're just not all the decks are going to be hyper aggressive and so then that card falls short a lot of the time i just i found the big chonker ones to not be that exciting i agree with you tempo negative a little bit sometimes yeah and, and crew three on a lot of them has been clunky yeah ballista charger is one i have liked uh that's the six six crew three that whenever it attacks you can shoot a damage at something like being able to mow down servos so mm-hmm. it's not as easy to chump it has been helpful i think yeah i have not gotten a chance to play with her against that but that makes sense to me i'm not surprised to hear that but other than that i mean red white has been impressive i just have not found it to be vehicle focused anymore without renegade freighter you know what i think is the best vehicle for the red white deck is inventor's goggles i'm blown away by that card like i remember there being a a, like slow learning curve for that card back when the set first came out but i didn't remember the card being as good as i think it has played out for me so far yeah that card is nuts especially if you're picking ether swooper and ether chaser as the one number one you know, blue and red commons or whatever. Yeah, this is a one mana equipment. It's equip cost is two. It gives plus one plus two, but it auto equips when an artificer enters the battlefield under your control. And so those those ether creatures are artificers. And there's actually quite a few floating around in all the colors. White has has a lot too, like Glint Sleeve Artisan is an artificer. So it's just really cool. Like, I mean, we've sort of gotten spoiled with all these auto equip equipments these days, but getting to like, you know, attack with your creature with it on and then post combat play a different creature and then get to auto equip to that to have it be a bigger blocker. And then it's going to attack next turn. As you said, like putting that on one, putting it on an ether chaser. So it's a three, three first strike or on the swooper. So it's a two, four flyer. Like that's pretty big game. Then you get to use it for improvised creatures as well. Then you get to use it for improvised spells as well, or it makes your serpents cheaper. Like I just feel like it does so, so much. And starting that off on one mana has been impressive. I'm on C plus for goggles these days. Yeah, it's very good. I think, you know, one thing that might not be intuitive is that when it's equipped to a creature, you can still tap it for improvise while it's equipped to your creature, which is really busted, right? So it's like, it's a mana rock and a vehicle and it's tempo positive, right? Because you're not having to like stick the creature in the vehicle to crew it. It's very, very, very good. I think bordering on as good as Pirate's Cutlass almost because of the mana rock properties it has as well in those blue and red decks. It's been very good. Yeah. So I I would say as, as reluctant as I am to let the secret out, don't sleep on Inventor's Goggles. You're not picking it high enough. It's really, really strong. I've had decks where I've played two even three copies of it and i've been pleased as punch to have them in there <laughs> you like that ben? that was a little that was an indiana phrase for you <laughs> yeah so outside of stuff like inventor's goggles you know there's a handful of common artifacts that i'm, I'm really high on but with this being an artifact set the artifacts at least at common have not felt as like gluey to me or like as important to pick up i have found myself with a lot of you know quote unquote artifacts in my deck with servos but i haven't found myself with a lot of actual artifacts so far right i completely agree i think the big three are prophetic prism renegade map and inventor's goggles yeah and past that there's a pretty big dip and then your next best artifacts are cards like ether chaser and ether swooper making servos and then once you know your colors you're fine filling in with like the three drop artifacts that have the activated ability of their color or whatever mm-hmm. yeah like the yeah the implements or the the puzzle knots or whatever those are are fine but yeah not super exciting which is weird because it's supposed to be an artifact set and they're so abundant but they're all pretty junky i found right they did a good job making it feel have the artifact feel but still having the color matter so I, I, next up here i'm gonna walk back my excitement for white i'm gonna walk back my claim that propeller pioneer is one of the top three commons so point for ben while i'm t- <laughs> taking that out there i really have not liked that card very much i've been picking it very highly that's funny because i've kind of come up on it a little bit that is very funny I, i'm on the whole just less excited about white than i thought i would be i was like oh this color is just like curving out beating down going wide and then you're gonna get your inspired charges or your eagles to, to buff your team and that has happened and eagle is still very good and going wide and fabricating is still very good i just I don't know how 
well white plays with others outside of white red really and i guess white black right that's what i would say i agree i'm less excited about white as well for exactly the reasons you said and the white decks do do what you're describing very well the problem with it is that it's just so one-dimensional right yeah like that's the thing that it does and it doesn't really have a lot else going for it other than like you know blue white the blink shenanigan engine stuff it can do that stuff too with aviary mechanic but if you are like picking those going wide commons and doing that thing that's what your deck's doing. And then that's also, you know, it's possible for other decks to shut that down in a pretty big way, right? There are the tools to combat that for sure. That's such a great point. I feel like that's, I'm now like forming another idea of why I'm finding so much success slash having so much fun in this format is formats past, you know, think of you know, Corio is just as a flashback format on uh, Arena. And that's a column A, column B format, right? Payoffs and enablers. And you didn't really want to have crossover, right? If you were a cycling deck, you wanted to just have your deck do all cycling enablers and cycling payoffs. Or same with, you know, human stuff or like sacrifice stuff or with the mutate creatures. But this format, I feel like you get benefits from overlap. It's like, well, I've got this artifact thing, but I also have this energy sub theme because I have these cards that can repeatably create energy. And then I have these handful of cards that can use energy. And so I have the opportunity to beat down and curve out, but I also have the opportunity to continue to grind into the late game. And white just doesn't have any of that flexibility. Yes, I agree completely. <laughs> so funny, you're more flip-flopping from us. I have in our show notes up next, improvise has been incredibly impressive to me. Yeah, I've almost been less impressed with it in some ways, but I was also crazy high on it to start with. So I, I still think improvise is very good. But what I found in my remembering, I was also really high on this the first time around. Mm -hmm. And then there's some amount of feeling bad because a lot of times the improvised decks look like tempo decks and want to play like tempo decks. But then you end up having to tap creatures to cast mm -hmm. your spells so you can't attack on that turn. But you do get a mana advantage and you get ahead that way. It's a very good mechanic. I've just been a little, it's not affinity, I guess, is what I'm remembering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say it is not as busted as affinity for sure. Yeah, I think the, the power comes from tapping goggles, maps before you've cracked them and servos when, when you're tapping like actual creatures like if you're tapping your weld fast monitors or whatever to power out your sweatworks brawler or the four four giant with haste or the seven five juggernaut that has to attack each turn that's not really where you want to be yes i agree with that assessment and i think that's where i've come down on it a little bit but i still understand it's very powerful blue red's one of my favorite decks yeah um we were gonna touch on this last week didn't quite have time so i wanted to to give the floor over to you ben because you had, had said you remembered going to the set and that has definitely been my experience in the few days of playing with it of talking about these quote-unquote engine cards in the format so what do you mean by that yeah i think this was a big talking point on lr back in the day but the engine the idea of the engines is that you're assembling some sort of two or three card combo to have a repeatable advantage throughout the game and that's really important in this set because they're not just a lot of one card dump some mana into this card mana sink to accrue a repeatable advantage you have to assemble two or three independent pieces to make an engine to get your repeatable advantage and i think if you can do that it's really powerful if you can reliably stall the board out because your opponent's probably not going to have one unless they've also gone out of their way to try to stall the board and have an engine as well. And then whoever's engine's better is generally going to win. Right. This is something we usually do for the crash course. And because we sort of did crash course light last week, we didn't dive into it. But we'll usually look at mana sinks. And something that's unique about Kaladesh is because of the existence of energy, there aren't really places to put a lot of mana, right? Like once you get to five or six mana in the game, you're, you're probably capped out there. You probably aren't going to have a lot of places to put them. What you really have in, in that respect in this set is energy sinks, right? Places to dump the energy that you're accruing. And those have actually felt like hard to come by. It's been very easy for me to get decks that produce a lot of energy. And then I'm like scrapping for well, where do I dump this resource? Yes, there's been multiple times I've had 12, 13, 14 energy floating around. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of good cards to do things like that. First up here, we're going to take a look at is Era of Innovation. This is one in a blue for an enchantment. Whenever an artifact or artificer enters the battlefield under your control, you can pay one. If you do, you get two energy. And then it also has the ability to pay six energy, sack it, draw three cards. That is generally not the mode you're using. You're usually using this as an enchantment to build repeated energy in my experience. Right. So, so I've had this multiple times, but the, the one-two punch is Ether Super on two, 
Era of Innovation on three, attack with Swooper, pay the two energy, make your Servo, Servo comes into play, triggers Era of Innovation, you pay the one extra mana, you get two more energy, and now you have a repeatable way, as long as Swooper goes unblocked every turn, to make a Servo. And it's just free because you're generating the two energy for one mana. Right. I mean, at the low cost of one mana, which is awesome in a game of limited. One mana for a 1-1, every turn you would sign up for that deal all day long. Right. But and but the great thing about that engine is, yeah, so then you make like a handful of servos and then maybe Swooper is getting blanked or something or you've accrued some more energy and you need to refuel your hand and then you just get to for free or for the cost of six energy. But for no mana, you get to draw three cards. And that's ridiculous. You like refill your hand and then you have all your mana at your disposal because you didn't have to use any of it to draw the cards, which is very rare. Right. So here's the question, though, right? How highly are you picking Era of Innovation? I think that's I think I know where I'm at, but if you're new to the format, I think that could be a tough thing to figure out. Uh, hi, I've pack one picked one it already. Right. I think that's where I'm at too. And it can also be something like where you, if nobody else is doing this thing, you can get it late, right? Because mm-hmm. people have to be doing energy things to make it good. But I think it's good enough that it is worth building around. I have already had a deck that has three of them. So can, can confirm people are passing this card. <laughs> <laughs> and this brings us rapidly to another sweet combo that you can do with Era of Innovation, which is Whirler Virtuoso. This is one blue-red for a 2-3 Artificer. When it ETBs, you get three energy, then you can pay three energy at instant speed to make a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. I haven't seen this in my, like, dozen drafts so far. It makes me very mad. I want to play with this card so badly. (laughs) It's really good. And so every time you make a Thopter with Whirler Virtuoso, you can pay one with Era of Innovation to get back two energy. So essentially, you can pay one energy plus one mana to make a 1-1 flyer, which is really powerful. And heaven forbid you have two era of innovation on the battlefield. You can just spend two mana, make a Thopter, and net an energy, which is just absolutely crazy, right? Good God, yeah. So that's the infinite thing you were talking about last week. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily infinite. It's capped on your mana, but there are a lot of six shenanigans you can do with Warrior Virtuoso. A sort of uh, era of innovation combo light piece, and this is one of three cycle. We touched on this last week, but this is decoction module. So two mana for an artifact. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get an energy, and you can pay four tap to return target creature you control to its owner's hand. You rarely use that mode, but you can, you know, save a creature from a removal spell or pick it up from a revoke privileges or whatever. Um, but really, you're, you know, we go back to the ether swooper combo. Now this is not. It doesn't cost you any mana, but you're also only making half of a servo every time. So Ether Swooper attacks, you pay two energy, you make a servo, then that immediately triggers the module, so you get one energy back. So now these servos are only costing you one energy, really, rather than two. Yeah, so one of the things I'm remembering now with Decoction Module is that if you have Whirler Virtuoso on the battlefield, which is three energy, make a Thopter, you you pay that three energy, and then if you have Air of Innovation and Decoction Module, you're getting three energy back every time you make a Thopter if you pay one. So that's how you do it for only one mana. And then you can make Thopters for one man- as much mana as you have, and that- the game ends very rapidly. I think there's a trap maybe to think that this is too wheel spinny or this is too Magical Christmas Land, but it really isn't. I mean, I haven't had the Whirler Virtuoso part of this, but I have had the Ether Super part of this combo with both Air of Innovation and Module. And it, it's really, really a strong engine. Yes, it is. It is, And it, it certainly with Warlord Virtuoso literally almost ends the game on the spot when you assemble it. Um, but the cards are very powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think worth trying to slow the game down for would be the other thing I would say. I agree. Another card that I have loved so far is Underhanded Designs. This is a, a one and a black enchantment. You can pay one in a black to sack it to destroy target creature, but you can only activate this ability if you have two or more artifacts. Not very difficult. Um, but the other text, the engineer text of this is whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one. If you do, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. So again, I think the, the easiest way to trigger this often is with your ether creatures. So ether chaser, ether swooper. I think the black one actually doesn't do this very well because it has death touch. And so it's not an evasive threat the way that first strike and flying is. Um, but getting to just like drop a servo, pay one, drain your opponent, that really makes racing tough for them and just like also helps you press your game plan as well. Yeah, and heaven forbid you get two of them on the battlefield and you're draining two every time you 
make an artifact that's pretty absurd and then in case of emergency also is just a very efficient removal spell right yeah that's the, the gross thing is you're like i have this threat i need to deal with it's like oh wait i have a remove a two mana removal spell in play right now another really sweet one is hidden stockpile this is white black for the enchantment and it has revolt if at the beginning of your end step if a permanent left the battlefield this turn you make a one one colorless servo artifact creature token and you can pay one sacrifice a creature to scry one yeah i mean hidden stockpile was awesome in this set um you know, I've played with it in Q before, played with it in, in Double Masters, which just came out. Um, it, it just really is a powerful engine piece. One of the like only good revolt payoffs in the set. Yes. And I think it's much better the more copies of it you have, right? If you have two of them on the battlefield, then you're making two servos every turn, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Draining for two with underhanded designs in play as well. Yes. Near and dear to my heart, this is one we mentioned that you poo-pooed. Uh, this is one of the only mana sinks in the format, Whirler That's Maker. That's true, yeah. This is three mana artifact, four tap, make a 1-1 one, one colorless artifact, creature thopter with flying. Yeah, I think we actually argued about this after the show was over, so I don't know if we could actually made it into the episode. Oh. <laughs> I think we did, did argue about it post-recording last week. Yeah, so I had some fond memories of this card. And it's it's let me preface this by saying it is not a good card. You should not pick it highly, but it is one of the only mana sinks in the format. And if the board stalls out, this will win you the game. Like if you're if your game, your deck's plan is to get to parity, Warrior Maker is a card you want to include in your deck just because there are so few mana sinks and it is a good one. There are board states where you feel like your opponent has Warrior Maker and you just think, huh, I'm going to lose to that card Like, and there's nothing I can do about it, right? Yeah, I have I have had that experience already. I mean, I did. I really lost to Fumigate, and then this card just being on the battlefield for my opponent. But I did lose to this card. I was like, oh, I can't rebuild my board enough to pressure them with them making a Thopter every turn for the rest of the game. So we've talked about decoction module. There's two other modules. There's animation module. This is the rare one. This is one mana artifact. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on a permanent you control, you can pay one. If you do make a one one colorless servo artifact creature token. And it also has three tap, choose a counter on target permanent or player, give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. This is just rawly good, right? You should put this in almost every deck. I guess you have to care about counters. Yeah, I've seen this do nothing for my opponent so far this week. My memory was this was the best of the three, but it seems like it also takes the most work to get going. That was my memory as well. But now that I'm reading it, I kind of agree. You want the other modules, right? They work very well in tandem with each other as well. I mean, that's another piece of it, right? You're trying to assemble all three modules. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because so the the third one here, we talked about decoction module. The third one is whenever you get one or more energy, you put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control and you can pay four tap to get an energy. So if you have the, you know, triumvirate here and you, you combine all three of these, well, then you get to sort of do this loop of make a servo, get an energy, get a plus and plus one counter, pay one, make a servo, et cetera, et cetera. Rinse and repeat by our powers combined, Captain Planet style. Yeah. So you're making like a, a one, one with a plus and plus one counter, getting an energy for one mana, essentially. Yeah. Another card that's kind of hard to evaluate if you've not played with it before is key to the city. This is one of my favorites. And I remember underrating this initially and then coming way up on it. Um, so I knew it was good this time around. So key to the city is two mana for an artifact and it has the ability tap, discard a card, target creature becomes unblockable until end of turn. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, when it becomes untapped, or it just says when it becomes untapped, you can pay two and draw a card. So just on its own is a very good card to make threats unblockable and let you rummage by discarding a card, paying two to draw a card during your upkeep. It also works super well in tandem with Improvise because then you get to tap it for free without the cost of discarding a card. And then on your upkeep, when it untaps, you can just pay two to draw a card. Last up on our list here is Dynavolt Tower. Uh, I think this is sort of a deceptive card in that I think it makes you think you're supposed to do one thing when you're really doing another. So it's a three mana artifact. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you get two energy and you can tap pay five energy to deal three damage to target creature or player. So this was pre-blue-red spells, right? And this isn't really what blue-red is doing in this set, right? Blue-red is doing improvised artifact stuff in this format. So it's not really an instant or sorcery build around. It's more of an energy build around. Right, this is just a fantastic energy sink. You play this in any deck that cares about energy and can produce lots of energy. And heaven forbid, you know, you play a tune with ether, you're, you know, four-fifths of the way oh to a God, free lightning yes. bolt. 
<laughs> two of these are so gross. Why does that card give two energy? I don't get it. It really is gross. All right, so so there's some some rares and uncommons that I think are are worth building around, worth testing the waters with, and there's there's more for sure. But what uh, archetypes have you been most impressed with so far? I have really liked blue red. I think there's a lot of support at common for artifacts and improvise that sort of thing. I've been very impressed with green whatever, as long as you're not really doing green white. And even green white can do like green white splash blue bant like mm-hmm. prophetic prism you know rebuy stuff looping so i really think green x is very strong you know we were hot on green coming in and i think that has held up green's very good in this format the thing that's risen the most for me is blue artifact whatever dirtling around trying to assemble engines i've had a blast playing those decks to mixed success um, <laughs> sometimes you get steamrolled sometimes you win but it has been a ton of fun yeah and i think last up here speaking of getting steamrolled is red white aggro which i think you just build as an aggro go wide deck i don't think you're trying to do the vehicle thing very often right you just want to be assertive and beat down i've also had very good results with the one red white deck i've drafted i think you know after playing a little bit more than when we initially started the show notes i have just been fine with anything as long as it's not mid-range this feels like another don't be mid-range format to me because if you're mid-range you get caught in the middle of just like you lose to every deck that has an engine if you don't have your own engine right yeah as i think that that's the important piece like you can be a mid-range deck but i think you want to make sure you have some way to if the game goes long how are you going to get value Yes. All right, so let's take a look at some movers up in terms of commons and uncommons. First up here is Consulate Skygate for me. This is the two mana 04 Defender Reach at common. I I think this card is surprisingly good. It blocks a lot. Yeah, definitely playable, especially if you care about improvising at all. Yeah, I would I would obviously never play this as an aggro deck. Um, I would probably not play this if I didn't care about artifacts in some way, like, you know, if I didn't have an underhanded designs or an area of innovation or whatever. But it's really not hard to get some additional value out of this. And if you're at all looking to slow the game down, I think this is a good card to do that. Yeah. Next on the list for me is Aviary Mechanic. This is one and a white for a 2-2. When ETBs, you can return another permanent control to its owner's hand. I think this is very good. You know, if you've got any number of prophetic prisms or things with under the battlefield triggers, this is your two drop of choice in white because it's fine as a two mana two two. Like, but the fact that when you draw it on turn 10, you're going to be able to, you know, cantrip or get some other sort of value is very strong. Yeah. And you can even just do the like, you know, if you're stuck on lands, pick up a land and cast another two drop if you're on three type deal, like like you can do with um, the Raptor in Zendikar Rising. Yeah. I've got several others here. I've been impressed with Inspired Charge. I think any white deck that is planning to go wide needs one to two copies of Inspired Charge to make those decks tick. And it's been game winning in those decks, I think, when you are planning to go wide. Thriving Turtle has impressed me in blue decks um, just as a cheap card that is going to make some energy can potentially be an energy sink if you need one, you know, if you get the ball rolling early or whatever, but also just a fine blocker, you know, once you get in that one attack as a one four to try to stall the ground out. The things that have high toughness like this or Dukara Peafowl, the four mana two four that you can pay blue to give it flying, those in tandem with servos are such good blockers because the servos give you the power and then you're essentially trading servos for your opponent's good creatures when they're attacking into your high toughness blockers. Right. And you don't feel bad about like, quote unquote, getting blown out because, well, then I just I lost a servo. I'm not losing like two actual cards. Maybe I need to move Thriving Turtle up in my pick order in the sense of I'm feeling strapped for energy payoffs at, at some points. You know, like this isn't a bad thing that can snowball, like getting it up to a one four, two five, three six. That's pretty good. Well, and once it's a two five, it's horrifically annoying to attack into. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've been impressed by Fenhaller as well. Uh, this is the six and a black for a five five improvise. Can't be blocked by artifact creatures. That text is not super relevant, but the fact that this is frequently a four mana five five or a five mana five five late in the game and it's just keyword big has felt pretty good to me in black decks that care about artifacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, a lot of my black decks have been pretty low to the ground, low curves with things like maps or prisms or a skyscape or whatever. And so it's nice to be able to include a big chonker like this that doesn't actually cost seven mana. Yeah. Built to Smash is another one that has really stood out to me in any red deck that wants to attack. And I think most of the red decks do want to attack. So it's red for the instant target attacking creature gets plus three plus three. And if it's an artifact creature, it gets trample until end of turn. Yeah, this is huge. I mean, it's, it's in the word. It's built to smash. 
<laughs> yeah. And last up here, Pacification Array. I was pretty down on this card coming into the format, and I did not have strong memories of this being great. It has been a house. One mana for the artifact and pay two mana to tap target artifact or creature. The fact that this is a mana rock in the improvised decks and then late game as a tapper, it has just done worlds of hurt to me, and I am moving it up quite a bit in my pick order. The fact that it says tap target creature or artifact is huge. I had a situation where I had this in play. My opponent had two vehicles and only one creature and I had a lethal attack so I attacked with my creature and then mid combat rather than lose their creature they went to go crew one of their vehicles and I guess thinking that if I tapped that then they could just use it to crew their other vehicle in response but the thing is is that before it turns into a creature you get to tap it with the pacification array so you get to mess with that plan so it's it's really really strong two mana is a lot to tap but this does feel like icy manipulator a lot of the time yeah it's been good yeah how about some movers down here yeah a lot of this is removal that doesn't deal with big threats for me i have not been impressed with die young much like you're playing it in your black decks but i don't think it's a particularly high pick or a pull into black that's the one in a black sorcery pay two energy and target creature gets minus one minus one equal to the amount of energy you spend it is good if you're making a lot of energy i think then it does become good but i don't think it's a reason to try to make a lot of energy if that makes sense yeah i guess there's a, a way of thinking about this as like well it's nice that it's flexible but i've had times in blue black decks where what i wanted was the two energy so i could make a servo with my ether super so i could get my engine back online which feels really <laughs> bad for a two mana removal spell but maybe i should think about it the other way of like well you got to do that with your two mana removal spell too and i have picked off large threats with this but i i agree i have not felt like minus two minus two has been impactful very much the other thing is removal that only deals three without the ability to deal more so i'm not not including welding sparks in this discussion at all or anything like that that card's absurd but essence extraction and hungry flames i think have underperformed a little bit and of those two particularly essence extraction mm -hmm. as the black black the stuff that's double black has felt tough to me because it's not even really as efficient as it seems because you're not necessarily going to have it online on turn three right um, but I, I generally want my removal to do four like have the capability of doing four or shutting down something big yeah that's it's, it's this awkward thing where like the two mana things like chandra's pyrohelix you're like all right well i know i can do that early and then essence extraction as you said is like in this awkward middle spot where well my, maybe now i need to deal with a four toughness creature instead yeah and Rage Giant is another one that has gone down for me a little bit this is five and a red for a four four trample haste improvise it's just not a big enough threat. And a lot of times to get it to come down, you know, on turn four or whatever, you're having to tap an actual creature. It is just not lined up well on the curve for me hardly ever. And I've played with it a fair amount already. Uh, I'm, I have played with it a fair amount already, too, and I have not had that experience. I'm, I'm still on Team Giant. You're still on Team Giant. I mean, it's a fine card. I just don't think it's pulling me towards an improvised deck. I think I want, like, for example, I think I would first pick Ether Chaser over Enrage Giant. I agree with that. Okay, well that that would so that's why it's moved down for me. <laughs> I see. So you you had that like B level. And uh, yeah, I had it as like a B level card, and I yeah. think it's like C plus. Yes, I think so. I think yeah, it feels maybe more of a reward for having picked up Ether Chasers than like a, a a thing to take early and then try and build around. I agree with that. It's not like markedly more powerful than Sweatworks Brawler. I think. Yes, that's a great way to put it. Uh, the other thing is just three mana two threes have felt worse to me than three mana three twos. If I'm having three drops that are fillerish cards, I want them to be three twos as opposed to two threes if I have that opportunity. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to bring us to our top commons we ranked. I wrote like not a lot of movers and shakers from our last week here, but then Ben and I had we had, we had to to get into the arena a little bit here and and <laughs> sort of figure out how we could what we were going to agree on and what we were going to choose to disagree on. So what's going on in white for you these days? So in white, number one, we've still got Glint Sleeve Artisan. Number two, Dawn Feather Eagle. I am still on Revoke Privileges, I think, as the number three white common. That's the two and a white enchantment aura. Um, enchanted creature can't attack or block or crew vehicles. I found that that does enough work that I am happy with it as my white removal spell. Yeah, that's still out of my top three commons, but I also have removed Propeller Pioneer as well. I'm on one of the two two power two drops here, like either Aviary Mechanic or Countless Gears Renegade. And I don't really care which, but I do know that in white, I just want to be getting my curve to be good and picking those two drops. Yeah, I think Aviary Mechanic, if you have combos with it, and if you don't, you know, the other one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, moving on into blue, the top two are still the same. We've got Ether Swooper 1, Gear Seeker Serpent 2. In the number three slot, we've got a new card here. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed by Metallic Rebuke. This is two and a blue for an instant counter target spell unless it's controller pays three and it has Improvise. 
I have for one blue mana been countered a sky sovereign for you. I, I always, whenever I get to force fight people, <laughs> I always call out, this is for you, Ben. Um, and I, I just think it plays along with blue wanting a lot of artifacts, plays along with blue playing a tempo game. And I think Metallic Rebuke is pretty unique in that respect. I am excited to do it. I have not been able to get multiple ether swoopers yet. I've only ever had one in my blue decks, but I am, I am looking forward to like three ether swoopers, a gear seeker serpent and a couple metallic rebukes. Ben, come on. You got to dream bigger. Get nine swoopers. You got to beat me. Nine <laughs> swoopers. never happening, right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Ridiculous. All right. Moving on to black. What do we have going on there? So number one, still daring demo, the four mana sorcery speed, blow up a creature or vehicle. Number two, I still have Die Young, though I could see this moving out. I mean, it is a mover down, but I still think it, it does, you know, it's flexible. It can pick off a large threat sometimes. It's it's fine. And number three, Ether Poisoner, one in a black for the one one, Death Touch, make two energy. Yeah, and then when it attacks, you can pay two energy to make a one one servo. It's not exciting. Again, Black's creatures at common aren't very exciting. I you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point I put Night Market Lookout in my top three commons. I've just really loved that card. I've had the chance to play with five copies and four copies of it separately in uh, in some decks. But I do think either poisoner is just fine. You know, it doesn't make the servos as often as the swooper or the chaser, right? You're not repeatably making servos. But, you know, in the times when you can get in, it's great. And the times when you want the servo and you just trade with their two drop, that's fine. And when the times when you can't, then you're, you know, probably holding off a larger attacker on blocks. I'm kind of in for getting Night Market Lookout in the top black commons. You could you could sell me on that for sure. I just have not liked black. Black has moved way down for me. I have it as the worst color right now, I think. Whoa. Yeah, I just have not been happy drafting black. Oh, I don't know, it's not been my experience, but that's interesting. All right, moving on to red. We're very similar here. Welding Sparks, one still. That's the two and a red. Instant uh, deal three to a creature, plus the number of artifacts you have on the battlefield. I wonder if Ether Chaser is supposed to unseat Welding Sparks. I think it is. I, I think am, it I'm is, sold. Right? Done okay. right now. Easy. There we go. So Ether Chaser, number one red common. Welding Sparks, number two. I think that's just a nod to how important Ether Chaser is to getting the red decks to tick, right? Mm-hmm. Ether Chaser is going to make every other card you put in your red cares about artifacts deck better and make other cards around it better, whereas Welding Sparks is not going to do that. Yeah, I've like I've made that pick already, but like it's been in the middle of the draft and I'm just like, well, I know I need two drops. But I think and especially as we after this week move into only being able to play best of one with this set, I think that's definitely going to be correct. Sold. Either Chaser one, Welding Sparks two. And then we're a little split here. I'm on the creature side, improvised side of things with Sweatworks Brawler at number three. That's the three in a red three, three improvised menace. Yeah, and I've got Chandra's Revolution there. That's three and a red for the sorcery. Deal four to a creature and tap target land. It doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. I think both of them are reasonable. I think Sweatworks Brawler is a little more niche in that it doesn't go in every red deck. And I think Chandra's Revolution probably does. But you brought up a good point when we were discussing this before the show that the four drop slot can get pretty clogged if you're not careful. And Sweatworks Brawler can be a pseudo three drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the the kind of big bump for me. But I uh, I like Chandra's Revolution a lot. But to the... the Tap a land clause has been as relevant as I remember it being. Yeah, it's backbreaking. All right. In green, we're still on Thriving Rhino at the number one spot. That's two and a green for the two, three. You get two energy. And when it attacks, you can pay two energy to give it a plus plus one counter. Uh, Attune with either is still in the number two slot. We've talked about it a bunch. And in the number three, you're still on Hunt. I think I've got Pima Outrider there in the number three slot. That's two GG for the three, three Trample uh, with Fabricate. Every time my opponent plays this as a four, four Trample, it has been absurd. I agree. Every time it comes into play, I'm just like, please make a servo. Please make a servo. And they never do. (laughs) (laughs) And then we didn't do this last week, but I think it's important to do so. We've got a colorless ranking here. You know, we talked about a lot of the colorless cards at common not being that exciting, but these three I think really are. In the number one spot, I have Prophetic Prism. This is the two mana artifact, cantrips, and then filters your mana. And in number two, we've got Renegade Map. That's one mana for the artifact that comes into play tapped. You tap, sack it, search up a basic land. And we've talked about it a bunch. Number three is Inventor's Goggles, which is like weirdly in, in the vehicle set. It's the best vehicle at common. <laughs> yep. All right. That's going to take us to a round table here. Before we hop in the round table, I've got to pack one, pick one that I want to see what you would do. This was my first draft video for Channel Fireball, and it was a doozy. I wasn't quite sure what to do. This is my first draft. Just immediately sat down to make a recording. So cards in contention here at common 
there's really only prophetic prism that's two mana for the artifact when etbs you draw a card and you can tap add a man of any color to your mana pool there's dawn feather eagle four and a white for the three three flyer when etbs creatures you control get plus one plus one and gain vigilance until end of turn and then moving on to the uncommons there's monstrous onslaught 3gg monstrous onslaught deals x damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures where x is the greatest power among creatures you control when you cast monstrous onslaught so you can't get blown out by removal in response which is nice i have paused i've not cast this yet but i have had my opponents cast this against me and every time i pause with it on the stack and i'm like there's got to be something i can do about this right like <laughs> no nope. i have to be able to do something and you just there's nothing to do except cry uh next up is enraged giant five and red for a four four improvised trample haste and then Scrap Trawler is our rare three mana for a three two construct artifact. Whenever Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand target artifact in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. I mean, Scrap Trawler's got loop de loops written all over it. It does. It's a good card. I think I'd be just because it's a rare and it seems like a fun build around. I think I would be excited enough to take Scrap Trawler and it's colorless, so it leaves you open in in a certain respect. Though I think. You, you know, to maximize it, you're going to want to take artifacts pretty aggressively. Yeah, I could see Scrap Trawler. I think there's a lot of reasonable picks, right? I think Scrap Trawler, I'm less high on Enraged Giant. That's what I took in the heat of battle. I don't think I would take that anymore. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a case for Scrap Trawler. I think you can make a case for Monstrous Onslaught as well, if you really like green. Although Monstrous Onslaught has, it's it's either great or not very good, right? Depending on what you're doing. Uh, the one problem I have with Onslaught is green just has so many good things to do for five mana. And like Onslaught needs one of those other five mana things generally to be very good. I mean, it's all, it's probably pretty fine with like a P Mount Rider, but you really want to be getting into like, you know, your revoked cavalry. So you have a six power creature in place. So then you're really being able to pick off two threats or, you know, a servo and two things. Like, I think you need some setup there for the Onslaught. Yeah. And then Prophetic Prism, I think, is also reasonable. And I think that's actually what I would land on now. That seems a little hot to me. Taking If you're going to take a colorless card, taking Prism over Trawler, but I could see it. I think Prism opens up a lot of doors for you, whereas Trawler does the opposite of that. Like, it wants you to narrow in on something. Yeah, that makes sense. So, interesting first pick. For sure. All right, well, we'll, we'll round things out here with a round table here. This is a draft I had the other day. Um, so, pack one, pick one. Ben, you see the following cards as options. Of our top commons, I believe there's only one here, and that's Gearseeker Serpent. I guess Aviary Mechanic as well, if you're me, but the commons are not that exciting. Moving on to the uncommons, there's Speedway Fanatic, one in a red for the 2-1 with haste. Uh, when it crews a vehicle, that vehicle gains haste until end of turn. There's Armorcraft Judge, three in a green for a 3-3. When it ETBs, you draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Airdrop Aeronauts, three white-white for a 4-3 flyer, and it has Revolt gain five life. And your rare is Paradoxical Outcome. This is like vintage playable, right? Three in a blue for an instant. Return any number of target non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hand. And then you draw a card for each card returned to your hand this way. Yeah, vintage playable, not particularly Kaladesh playable unless you're going really deep. Yeah, I did side this in um, to no avail, though, but I sided in after I saw three enchantment removal spells from my opponent in game one. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, this is between, I think, Armorcraft Judge and Gearseeker Serpent. My heart wants to take Gearseeker Serpent. My <laughs> head says Armorcraft Judge. So I think I would land on Armorcraft Judge as the pick. Yeah, I think so. That's what I landed on too. This is a pretty weak pack, I think. Yes. Not happy first picking Armorcraft Judge. Not really. Pack one, pick two. We see the following cards as options. Two of our favorite colorless cards, Prophetic Prism and Inventor's Goggles. There's also a Revoke Privileges and a Metallic Rebuke. And then looking at the uncommons, uh, Trophy Mage is there, two in a blue for a 2-2. When ETBs, you may search your library for an artifact card with CMC3. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Restoration Gearsmith is one of the black-white uncommons, two white-black for a 3-3. When it ETBs, you return an artifact or creature card from your graveyard to your hand. And Wah Wah, Engineered Might, three green-white, sorcery, choose one. Target creature gets plus five, plus five, and gains trample until end of turn. Or creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain vigilance until end of turn. I think this is a really interesting pick. Restoration Gearsmith, I think, is the most powerful card in the pack. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that, yes. But it really doesn't line up well with Armorcraft Judge at all, which is tough. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I think there's Druid of the Cowl if you just want to stay green. Oh, yeah, green. I, didn't, I didn't even mention that card. <laughs> yeah, so it's one and a green for a 1-3. You can tap to add green to your mana pool. That one is fine, right? Um, and there's also 
Prophetic Prism, I think, is the other card that you would make a case for, which is, you know, going to open up a lot of avenues for you. Mm -hmm. I think for me, this comes down to Gearsmith or Prism, mostly because I am not super interested. Like Armorcraft Judge isn't something you want to ramp out. I mean, there are a lot of green cards you do want to ramp out, though. Um, But I think I like Prism just as, you know, opening up a lot of avenues goes well in decks that Armorcraft Judge wants to go well in, like you want to slow the game down with Armorcraft Judge, get value, that sort of thing. So I think I like picking up Prism here. Yeah, that's interesting. It's so funny that I didn't say Druid of the Cal, and that's what I picked, which is very weird. Um, I think if I'm not taking Druid and staying green, I would take Restoration Gearsmith just to like take a, you know, a big reward or, or reason to be in another color or direction in that respect. But maybe I'm underrating Prism as I'm seeing from you know your pack one, pick one, and now this pack. I think it makes a lot of other cards better and i think it opens up a lot of avenues for you and sort of what i'm remembering the more i'm drafting the format is like the delta between the cards that matter matter a lot like sort of dominaria-esque yes. or theras beyond death-esque and prophetic prism gives you more outs to play more of those type of cards and assemble more of those combos that's that's a really good point yeah all right so i've got the two green cards in my pile moving on to pack one pick three Really not a lot of good stuff. There's Kujar Seed Sculptor as the best green card in the pack. One in a green, one, two ETBs. You put a plus and plus one counter on target creature you control. Gets It's got some synergy with Armorcraft Judge. Nothing else exciting at common for me. And then uncommon, there's another Speedway Fanatic. There's an Aeronaut Admiral, three and a white, three, one flyer and vehicles you control have flying. And then Contraband Kingpin, blue, black for the one, four with lifelink. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you scry one. Yeah, I think you quickly narrow this down to Kingpin or Seed Sculptor, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you want to stay on color with a weaker card or potentially branch out into another thing. And I think... I would take Kingpin. I don't think you're going to miss Seed Sculptor that much, even if you end up green and greens open. And in case green gets cut, which has been the case in a lot of my drafts that I've done so far, I think I would want to take Contraband Kingpin here and see what's up. Yeah. And if you had taken Prism last pack, you feel great about taking Kingpin here. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took Kingpin as well. I just felt like it was a little too early to take Seed Sculptor. I was feeling slightly like if I take judge into druid into kujar seed sculptor and green isn't open which is very possible i'm gonna feel really bad um i was getting a lot of people telling me to just like take seed sculptor and and cut green or whatever but i i did take the kingpin just to try and keep my options open yeah i like the kingpin pick pack one pick four more like weird it's not really even weird signals it's just like power level is super flat um the best common in the pack is glint sleeve artisan two and a white for the two two with fabricate one um, you know, green cards, not really any to speak of. There's like the fog variant and commencement of festivities or Woodweaver's puzzle, knot, the two mana artifact that gives you life and energy on ETB. And when you sacrifice it, um, to follow up the Kingpin, there's like a consulate Skygate and an ornithopter. Like you just don't have a lot of options in this pack. Yeah. The only two cards that stand out to me as even pickable are Glint Sleeve Artisan and Outland Boar. That's the two red green four, four can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. With the Druid of the Cowl in our pile, I'm, I'm kind of interested in picking Outland Boar here. I think it's enough better than Glint Sleeve Artisan that I'm willing to, to potentially, you know, curving Druid of the Cowl into Outland Boar on three is big game. Yeah, I agree with that. My thought with taking Artisan here was that it sort of helped toe the line with the two sort of avenues I had. Like I'd be happy playing it in green white because it could get a counter for judge or go wide if that's what I was doing. And then also I could do some sort of Esper artifact thing with the Kingpin. Yeah, that's a good point. The fact that the Artisan gets a counter for the judge. All right, I'm sold. Artisan. Yeah, I just felt I was like, I was still too worried, like taking Outland Boar and then getting pushed off green felt scary to me. Yeah, I'm on board. And now as we go to pack one, pick five. It's it's all becoming clear, Ben, because our Lord and Savior, Ether Super, is in the pack here. Um, along with a, a number of other blue cards, Leave in the Dust is the bounce spell that cantrips, and Malfunction as the like capture sphere that taps an artifact or uh, creature and keeps it tapped. Um, there's also Foundry Inspector at Uncommon, three mana artifact, three two artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast, but come on. You can't say no to the Swooper. Can't say no to the Swooper. I would snap it up here. Yeah, for sure. And then the, the draft goes pretty well we get a prophetic prism pick six another swooper pick seven renegade map pick eight and the card you wanted to pick pack one pick one ben gear seeker serpent on the wheel pack one pick nine that is no respect right there no respect well that's that's what we get we we tell everyone blue is terrible and then we reap 
the benefits, right? That's our plan. That's why we, that's why we started the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> get, get that win rate up. The three year long con. Perfect. So yeah, this deck ended up being pretty sweet. Had two underhanded designs and two hidden stockpiles. Lots of like artifact swooper shenanigans. Yeah, I think that was a sweet draft and a good showing starting one direction and veering off into another thing once it becomes clear the other thing is open. Yeah, and I think, you know, because there's a lot of colorless cards and because I think all the archetypes are viable, that you should be doing that in this format. I think you should be hedging your bets a little bit, trying to to feel out what's open more often than not in pack one, because I think once you do, you'll reap those rewards and, and get a good deck rather than like trying to force your lane. Yes, agree. That's why Prophetic Prism, I think, is such a high pick as well. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. All right, great place to wrap us up. Look forward to enjoying more vehicles and more energy in Kaladesh. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Yeah, make sure you give that a listen. You can come check us out on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome, Mr. Spelled Out. You can tweet at us under those same usernames, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks again to Channel Fireball for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to channelfireball.com for any and all magic purchases, singles, booster packs, signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL, all caps, to let them know we sent you there. And we will catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. And so with Era of Innovation, every time you make a Thopter with Whirler Maker, no, Whirler Virtuoso. Holy cow, those should not be next to each other in the show notes.